It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. And here he was in Biloxi, feeling the pain of some of the survivors. He's very good at this, but many feel he should have done it much earlier. Then the question that may well come to haunt him in his second term, the war in Iraq and Hurricane Katrina, the perfect storm. What do you say to the people who say there's too much money being spent on Iraq and Afghanistan? I, I, I just completely disagree. We've got a job to defend this country in the war on terror, and we've got a job to bring aid and comfort to the people of the Gulf Coast, and we'll do both. I'll never forget, I went to a, one of the uh, shelters in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I met a man named Daniel Webster. I will never forget him. And he was sitting there, and he said to me, he said, you know, Reverend, he said, my wife was wheelchair-bound. When I heard the storm coming, I ran to the door, and I knew I was in trouble because I took my finger and I tapped the doorknob, and I tasted the water. It was salt water, so I knew that the waters from the river was coming. He said, so but before I could run back to where my wife was, I looked outside and saw my car floating. And before I could reach my wife, the door came off the hinges and water was everywhere. He said, I finally grabbed a chair and pushed her up to the roof of the uh, house. And I held as long as I could, and I couldn't hold no longer. And I watched my wife's wheelchair just go with the flow and watch her drown as a tree branch held me for 12 hours. He said, the only thing I don't know is why God didn't just let me die. I have nothing to live for. These are the kinds of things we had to listen to. And then turn on the news that night, and George Bush and Michael Brown are talking politics. They didn't have information. They were waiting on reports. They could have done what we did. Go right there and talk to the people. Activate the National Guard. Activate the military. Oh, I forgot. They were in Iraq making democracy free for those abroad while those at home had nothing. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information 
on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Tuesday, August 11th, 2015. So I have been told. Uh, we are on uh, much earlier than we typically would be uh, for uh, any of our broadcasts. Um, I was uh, awake, productive, and uh, felt like I had a theme that was uh, important that I wanted to take a moment to uh, share with listeners. Uh, I know we, we have listeners, some of them were tweeting bright and early this morning. Uh, but we have listeners that are outside the states, uh, so I thought at least it would be an opportunity for some of them to uh, listen in live. And then for some of our listeners uh, who are in the states uh, who just can't participate in our programs that are normally on a little bit later in the day, uh, this is an opportunity that you can chime in as well. Uh, I am uh, very serious. Uh, about encouraging folks. I know we have listeners who are in the Louisiana area, uh, New Orleans residents, uh, and folks uh, in the greater area. Uh, definitely want to encourage folks uh, to share uh, over the course of the next 30 days or so, uh, coming up on the 10 year anniversary of uh, Hurricane Katrina and the breach of the levees in New Orleans, uh, leaving. About 80% of the city or more uh, underwater, just a horrendous uh, event. Um, I think just a lot of lessons that you can learn about racism, white supremacy, uh, and not just with what happened in the first you know, week or two uh, from the storm. But I mean, re this is one of those in context, and that's, that's the whole purpose for this program, um, just reflecting i think this is one of those moments where i think for a lot of people um folks remember what they were doing uh what they thought how they felt uh at that time seeing those images or what whatever you happen to be as i said i know we have listeners so it might even be some people this was directly uh impacting them and their families so you certainly I uh, remember what you were going through uh, 10 years ago in the summer of 2005. Um, but as I said, context, uh, when I get on a personal level, right, about my thoughts and feelings about all this, um, just putting this in context, I would I would really encourage uh, parents because we talk all the time about speaking about racism and how do you talk to your children about racism. This event, I think, should be used to discuss and be honest with your children uh, about racism, white supremacy, because it was a lot of children uh, were harmed in this event. A lot of children died. Black children died uh, in this event. Uh, this is definitely one uh, that you should share, that you should talk with your children about. Uh, if you had children, if they were five, six, you know, four really young at the time of Hurricane Katrina, but they were old enough that they were seeing some of these images or hearing people talking about it. Certainly if you're six years old, I think you, you're functional enough. You know what's going on. You see things happening on television, right? So they hear. Uh, I think it would be great if you now have a child that's, you know, 17, 16, 15, uh, to really sit down and spend some time with them. Uh, I mean, it's still summertime, so for... A lot of folks, they might not have to be back in school until next month. 
I would take advantage, man. I mean, you can really spend some time and do some homework. I mean, this can be a great project. If you are looking for things where you can be active and involved and engaged with your children, make a project counter racism project end of summer type thing. Get your mind rolling uh, in preparation of going back to school. Let's study what happened. This is one of the most important events that has happened uh, really in the world, but certainly in the area of the world known as the United States over the last 50 years, I would say in the last 100 years, this is one of the most important events. Uh, we certainly should know about this, and this is an incredible illustration of racism on so many levels. And I mean, when you study, and particularly, okay, let's follow what, not not just what happened the first 10 days let's look at what's happened in this region in the 10 years since this storm like the charter schools uh ray nagan being in jail i mean whoo i mean just oh my goodness it it's in many ways it's even worse if you study okay now what happened to this area these black people not just five years but 10 years on what has happened i mean wow incredible opportunity i would really encourage folks to do so particularly if you're as i said if your children have some memory about this when they were younger and now they're a lot older so they have you know much stronger ability to understand and uh, articulate you know what they remember and to grasp what was happening uh with all this really got to take advantage i definitely would encourage that for parents um i guess before just making sure i didn't um I kind of just thought of this because I was it was having so many thoughts, just remembering some of my personal thoughts about all this, which I had thought were worthy of, of being uh, touched on anyway. Um, just one, I guess one more thing I think I've said before, and I've played some of the news reports as they happened, but uh, there were shooting incidents. Uh, I think one of the things that I would really focus on, the alarming lack of attention on the murders of black people that happened after Katrina. I mean, Cynthia McKinney's allegation, that's one that also didn't get a lot, where she said that she was told that thousands uh, of black, I believe these were black people that were in greater confinement, were just taken out and executed, and that uh, this was someone who was in uh, the military or armed forces, that they had knowledge uh, that this happened, uh, that they saw it. They reported it to Cynthia McKinney. She, I asked her about it on the program uh, the second time around. She addressed it. Uh, she, there's a video of her talking about this as well. Uh, I thought that didn't get enough attention. And the actual could be confirmed, corroborated, these happened, murders of black people. Some of this was just done by white citizens. Some of this was done by uh, enforcement officers. Uh, but killing black people, killing unarmed black people, burning of bodies. I mean, just horrendous uh, white terrorism uh, where you had uh, A.C. Thompson. This is one of the first programs that we did. If you go back and look, May 2009, when we came back on the air, this is one of the first programs we did. A.C. Thompson uh, with ProPublica, uh, the report uh, was white vigilante violence uh, after Hurricane Katrina. I hadn't heard about this at all. Uh, it was a... Uh, black female architecture student uh, at the University of Washington. I used to talk to her about racism, and uh, I told her about the program. We got back on the air, and she said, "Oh, you should, you should see if you can get A.C. Thompson on the program. He wrote this report about all of this 
uh, just white terrorism after Hurricane Katrina. And I was like, what? I'd never even heard of this. And she was like, yeah, 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 you should check it out. Uh, and I went, the report came out in 2009. We had him on the program in May. And I even thought about uh, rebroadcasting that episode because that's so important. That did, I mean, if you, if you just do a comparison to how much attention looting got right after Hurricane Katrina, how much attention that got, and how much attention actual black people being killed by racist whites and or enforcement officers. Wow, it is staggering. That's just one of the things. And even some of these convictions, because some of these white people did get convicted. Actually, I don't think any of the white citizens were ever convicted. But I do think or I do know some of these uh, enforcement officers were convicted. But a lot of their convictions got overturned. Uh, they had uh, evidence that some of the prosecutors uh, that they had made comments, I believe, online uh, about the case, uh, breaking uh, some of the protocol or what have you. So they overturned. I think it was it was more than one uh, conviction in this case. And it was not just that the conviction got overturned. The conviction got overturned and they got back pay for all of the years that they were off the force and they got reinstated. So, I mean, that's why I said in some of the ways, if you study what happened after Oh, my God, just the magnitude of everything. Uh, just, oh, man. And and this would also include the BP oil spill. Uh, it's just incredible. Anyway, uh, in that vein, also, you could watch with your children uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, I mean, excuse me, When the Levees Broke. Spike Lee's documentary film, I think, uh, all of his documentaries, I think, deal with racism directly. Uh, his documentary films are phenomenal. They're every bit as good as um, whatever, you know, you think is great work. If you, you know, think any of his films are great, but I would definitely encourage check out his documentary films. When the Levees Broke is phenomenal, gives you a lot of great information. It's four hours. It's a fantastic film to sit down and watch with your children. Uh, Harry Belafonte's in it. Kanye West is in it. Al Sharpton is in it. That's the segment that you heard. Uh, at the beginning right there, it is amazing. Ray Nagin. <laughs> That's why I said in some respects, it's incredible just watching it and seeing how things have uh, evolved uh, over the time and the 10 years uh, since all of this happened. Anyway, uh, some of my personal uh, reflections, um, it's just it's really all the way around. It's very uh, bizarre. Um thinking about what happened 2005 and where I was on the planet and what I was thinking about in life and everything. Uh, so I'm trying to give some, some even greater context. So you'll know like uh, background, like why this, you know, has special uh, significance for me, the significance that I attach to it uh, and how that has impacted my view, understanding of racism. Um, so I guess to really, we'll go in chronological order. So number one, uh, I was in New Orleans uh, in 2004. Um, I was living in California at the time. I had lived in Atlanta previously. I still had lots of friends uh, in Atlanta. I went back to Atlanta to visit. Um, I guess additional FYI, I think I actually flew out uh, on 9-11 and I got stopped and subjected to extra security. <laughs> but uh Neither here nor there. I made it. Um, and we had planned to do a cross-country uh, drive. Um, I flew from California to uh, Atlanta. We were going to drive. We did drive uh, from Georgia to California to just lollygag, have fun. Uh, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. We saw the sunrise at the Grand Canyon. 
right? Just kick it. Black people, it was going to be a blast, right? Only problem, uh, I arrive, and this was at the time when I was not checking the news every day. I was not reading the paper every day. I did, however, begin to check the weather uh, when we this trip was coming up because we had been planning it for a while. So I did begin to start, you know, check keeping an eye on the weather um, that weekend. I think we were going to leave early next week. So I start keeping an eye on the weather and I start seeing, oh, man, this is 2004. I'm, oh, man, Hurricane Ivan. Hmm. This could be a problem. This is kind of uh, along the path that we're going to be driving on for the first leg of the trip. Like this could be. This could be a major issue. So we leave Georgia and uh, we're heading west. And I kid you, if if uh, <clears throat> the system of white supremacy um, had not dislocated me so many times, I would have the newspapers because that's one of the things that I did on this trip. I collected uh, newspapers as we were going uh, just because I thought it would be fun and uh, I could share uh, once I got back with uh, the children I was working with which I did, but I would have them personally so I could pull them out. But the front page of every newspaper was Hurricane Ivan. Oh my God, is it going to hit? What are we going to do? So we're in Alabama. That's what they're talking about. They're boarding up windows, all of that. I remember this in Mobile, uh, which going through Mississippi, but same thing. Oh my goodness. And we're going Southern, all of these uh, states, the lower part, closer to the Gulf. Uh, we hit New Orleans. So this is what, you know, why it starts to be, uh, very just bizarre and real unique connection that I have with all of this and, and what's going through my mind when I process Hurricane Katrina and what I was thinking about the time it happened. So we arrive in New Orleans the day that they have an evacuation of the city, not a mandatory evacuation, which they had in 2005, but uh, I guess they encouraged uh, that people evacuate because it was a strong likelihood that Hurricane Ivan was going to hit. We arrived the day that a third of the city of New Orleans evacuates. It is amazing. <laughs> like, literally, I don't. I think there's a scene in, like, Independence Day when Jeff Goldblum and his father, they're, like, the only car that's driving into Washington, D.C., and everybody else is leaving. That's what it was. <laughs> like, we were the only car... <laughs> Hold on one second. I think I need to get a little water. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. So, yes, we are the only car that is going into the city of New Orleans. So, we get in and uh, <clears throat> we've been checking the newspaper the whole time through. And uh, it's unclear uh, if the storm is going to hit or not, um, it looks like um, we should be able to get out before the projections of when this storm is going to hit. I will acknowledge that, you know, this was probably uh, not the most intelligent decision <laughs> in the life and travels uh, of Gus T. Renegade. I don't know if it was just, you know, lack of respect uh, for uh, nature and, and, you know, the likelihood of things can happen or, uh, just thinking, you know, Hey, it's not going to happen to us. We're tough or whatever, or, uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but it was definitely not the best, uh, decision. Uh, I would definitely, uh, have to think twice about, uh, doing such a thing again. I'm certainly not encouraging it, but I'm just reporting the facts that did happen. 
So we get there, and I don't remember anyone being particularly concerned about, like, we ended up being there for a day. Like, I don't remember anyone being uh, concerned about uh, the storm. We're just there. The impressions that I got, though, had such a huge impact, like, on my thinking today, what I thought immediately about Hurricane Katrina. As soon as we got there, beautiful day. The weather was incredible. The whole time we were there, it's sunny, not a cloud in the sky. (laughs) It was uh, spectacular, and the storm never hit. The storm that that also factored into processing, like my understanding of all of this when they talk about people not leaving and all of that. So a third of the city, according to their statistics, evacuated for Hurricane Ivan uh, and they evacuated the day we arrived Um, and the storm never hit nothing, no flooding, no rain, nothing. Um, we were there, we hung out, had a great time. The people were so nice. I was just stunned because the people were so nice. The black people were just, uh, super helpful. I think in fact, just to show real influence of context of white supremacy, if you look in our archives, when we came back on the air, February 21st, 2009, first program was Chet Detlinger, who has since passed away, uh, his book, the list, uh, about the so-called Atlanta child murders, uh, that took place in Atlanta, in uh, the late 70s through the early 80s. Uh, And we sat in New Orleans (laughs) and watched a documentary on the Atlanta child murders the day that we got there, that the city is being evacuated. We sat and kicked it and watched this documentary on Wayne Williams and what happened and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, my observations of the town and what have you was oh my god this place looks really really raggedy and poor I'm glad I don't live here man it looks like if a stiff wind comes through this place is going to be knocked to the ground (laughs) that was my impression and this is the first time I've been to New Orleans but this is my impression like wow this place looks really run down and raggedy and poor I'm glad I don't live here um And then, like, oh, wow, and this place is, like, below sea level? Wow, they have these hurricanes. Wow, I am really glad I don't live here. And this is a matter of time. That was our conclusion. All three of us was like, okay, it is a matter of time before this happens. And I think a lot of people who live in that area, like, this is the fear. Like, when this storm did happen, that this was, you know, they felt like this was something that was in the cars. They know the city's below sea level, blah, blah, blah. It just seemed like, man... (laughs) Any moment, you could just put that on your calendar. This is a disaster waiting to happen. And I knew, we knew immediately, this is going to be compounded because it's so obvious that this is an environment that is rife to have all kinds of flooding and storms and everything that goes with that. There's no plan to deal with this at all. <laughs> like, it was, it was blatant. I mean, a third of the town evacuates, right? Okay. I don't know if people have seen what it looks like for a city that size to evacuate. Oh my God. <laughs> like I, I can't think of any movie off the top of my head, but Oh my God. I hope no one ever has to participate in anything like that. I think people who live in uh, the new Orleans area who maybe have lived through that or have seen it can, you know, testify to what I'm talking. It is horrendous. I mean, Oh, like it is, it is horrendous. Like, uh, it took us forever to get out of, uh, not just new Orleans. I mean, this traffic was like thick and nasty 
for like until we got like to Texas. Uh, like until you get out of the state of Louisiana, the traffic was just horrendous. So I know it had to be like a thousand times worse uh, with Hurricane Katrina because it was like everybody had to go, not just a third of the city. So, I mean, oh, my God. But I mean, it was just blatant that there was no plan at all. Like the white people that are in charge of this area of the world, they clearly do not care <laughs> What happens uh, to the people that live here? Like, whatever. And in fact, uh, just based on what I know, if I can be here within 24 hours and conclude like, okay, this is this is like disaster about to happen. It's just a matter of time. These people are going to be drowned and this town is raggedy anyway. Like, this is just going to be total destruction. I'm sure the white people that are there, they knew this, too. Like, and I, everything that I've seen, I mean, once you do the re I mean, this is very obvious. They knew this, too. Like, yeah. And we're just going to take this opportunity once they're gone. Boom, boom, boom. We could go in and tear down the hospital. We can go in and knock down these projects, put up some boom, boom, boom. We already had these plans ready to roll. We were just waiting for the opportunity to get rid of these niggas. And then we can throw the mayor in jail. To, I mean, it's it's just but that's what I mean about one of those. If If you really study you can see when we talk about how white people they have plans like 300 500 year plans <laughs> looking down the road that's what you could do when you are in a position of dominance you can see that on display in new orleans like they knew it was a matter of time before they had the opportunity to do this and boom we can toss those niggas out and do whatever we want with this property what do we what one of our themes for this year has been white people have become increasingly efficient at confiscating black property. This would be another tragic illustration. So moving forward. So we were there. This is 2004. I could totally see uh, how people. Because it's, exp it's expensive. And it is a pain. Like, to go out and get in that. And I mean. Oh, you cannot exaggerate. You cannot imagine. The amount of. Tra I mean you're talking about sitting where you're not even moving like you can just be in the car on the interstate and you can just turn the car off and get out of the car because you're just sitting and sitting and sitting and I don't know where everybody is but I mean if you have not felt like summertime deep Louisiana heat oh man <laughs> oh my lord it is uh it is hell on earth that's all I can say like it is it is hell on earth so I can totally understand uh, people who just say, you know, you can't leave every time and, and, and it's just not feasible. You're going to have to stay for some of these. That's just what it is. You live here and that's just that's just life unless you have a lot of extra resources and, and that sort of thing and, and can leave early or can fly out and, and can kind of minim minimize some of the strain uh, of all of that. Anyway, so we can fast forward. So this is this is all 2004. All of our conclusion. Could, <laughs> we knew this was a matter of time. So you fast forward 2005. Uh, I am in Hawaii. I was there before the storm started. Uh, I was there for months. So I was there while it happened and blah, 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 for months after it happened. Uh, I was not in front of the television. I was not in, uh, like, the city area uh, of Hawaii. I was out more in the rural uh, parts, uh, which was even way better because they have way more beaches. And you can be out on, like the type of lush beaches that you see like in posters and stuff when people show Hawaii if you get away from the city you can be out on those type of beaches by yourself <laughs> like or it'll be like you and maybe one person because um, they just have so many of them I mean pfft. 
that's what you need to, if you go to Hawaii, don't go to the city. That would be my one tip. If you are a non-white person, if you go to Hawaii, don't go to the city. See if you can get out to the rural part. You will have way more fun, uh, and it'll be a better experience. So anyway, I'm out in Hawaii when the storm hits, and I'm not in front of a television on a regular basis. I'm not reading the paper. The time difference is kind of throwing things off. Hawaii is... Uh, Hawaii is three hours behind Pacific time, so for me it is seven o'clock, so it's four a.m. Uh, in Hawaii. So people that you know, you can do the math or what have you. It's a significant time difference, so that's throwing things off even more. Uh, a lot of this stuff is uh, happening very, very early in the day uh, in Hawaii, and you're <laughs> just out on the beach and. I mean, it's just a very surreal thing for me. It was a very surreal thing for this huge catastrophe to be happening uh, and to be in this lush, <laughs> like, just really wild environment. Anyway, this is the number one topic. This is what everybody is talking about, you know, all over the world, all over Hawaii. This is what everybody is talking about. And can you believe this? And blah, blah, blah. And it was affecting gas prices there, too. Um, but everybody is talking about this. This is on the front page of papers there. And, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And when are they going to help those people? And this is just what a tragedy. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I remember just immediately the people that I went on this road trip with, like, man, we knew this was going to happen. This could have happened when we were there. Thank God we got out. Uh, and I, I don't know if you I don't know how many people listening have had an experience where. Uh, you and a small group of people have an experience and because of that just you all have a very uh, unique insight on something like that happens in the future like something that happens later on uh, just the group of you all that had this unique experience you all will have a really special insight that just you all will share and it'll be like something that you're really looking forward to speaking to these people just to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't you know, wait to see what they have to say about this because of that experience that we've had. I don't know if you all have had anything like that, but because uh, of the fact that we had been in New Orleans a year before and it was almost exactly a year to when we were there. I mean, it just lined up really wild. But because of the fact that we were there almost a year ago under, you know, exact same hurricane warning circumstances and everything that we saw. I couldn't wait to talk to them. And it was, I mean, we had the exact same thought. Like, we knew this was going to happen. It was obvious this was going to happen. This was a matter of time uh, that this was going to happen. And I'm sure it's a lot of white people just like, yep, those black people, we can get rid of them and boom, 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 do whatever we want to do uh, with the city and just keep it pushing. And uh, it just seemed so obvious that they were, there was just no plan in place. Uh, for an environment that was so vulnerable uh, and in such a weak position and, and particularly for these types of uh, storms, which could also be, uh, you know, what they say man-made. Uh, and also make sure we get in as well the, the uh, suspicions, uh, allegations that they heard some sort of explosive to uh, aid the breach in the levees, which caused uh, the damage, which really is what, you know, made this such a terrible uh, event. It was not the storm. It was the breach of the levees that you had quite a few black uh, residents uh, who allege to this day that this was done deliberately and those levies were uh, blown at any rate. Uh, but just reviewing with my friend while I'm in Hawaii, I mean, it was such a it was such a bizarre experience to be there of all places uh, and to have this tragedy um, 
unfolding. Uh, it was just, it was, it was just one of the strangest, uh, most, uh, surreal, uh, episodes to kind of see all of this playing out. Um, and there wasn't like video technology is not the same as it is now. Uh, like I had internet access, even though I wasn't really in front of the television and stuff like that on a, the, while I was there on a, on a constant basis, but I had internet access, but there wasn't, uh, the YouTube, I mean, the, the, the internet technology has advanced a lot in the last 10 years, like 2005, uh, I was checking YouTube didn't have their official launch until November of 2005. So it's not like it is now where you can be immediately spoiled with Vine and Twitter and YouTube. And I mean, you can just watch live stream. You can watch live streams of all these people who just take their tablet and all this stuff and go out and do the, the footage themselves. Or, or you can watch uh, the live stream of CNN or Fox or whatever your, your network of choice is uh, right on whatever your mobile device is, your iPhone. The technology just is not what excuse me, technology now has just advanced so much further. So we just didn't have that same type of capability uh, at the time. So I was not able to watch a lot of this stuff online. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, unless you were in front of the TV, um, you weren't able to see as much as you would now. I was even thinking about that, like, wow, like how much more, how much more footage we would have um, if we had today's technology back then, how much more, uh, how much more footage we'd have. And even what would we be seeing? I was even cringing about those thoughts because I'm sure there would be some snuff flicks, uh, those white vigilantes that went out and were killing black people. Uh, I'm sure they would have some, I mean, that's what they got to do. That's their tradition. Uh, so I'm sure there would be some of that, even though they don't allow that sort of content on YouTube. Um, and I'm, that, that footage might even exist now. I'm mean, trying to get that out. That footage might exist now, but just I think it would be easier to have that sort of footage with the technology we have now. Uh, even uh, just seeing the images of black people uh, suffering and, and all of the despair uh, that took place then, I was even cringing at, and thinking at uh, what, sort of, what sort of footage uh, would be captured and, and is this even something that you would want to see. But that is something that I was pondering on just you know, with the technology where it is now, we would, uh, we'd be able to see a lot more, um, for better or worse. Anyway, um, as for my own personal reflections, as I said, I was not able to see a lot. So that really, um, in terms of my own personal development, that had a, a big push in terms of why I would encourage folks to really, uh, pay attention to the news, be alert about things that are happening because I was not, uh, and I just, I felt disconnected. I felt like this is something that's really important that I should be paying attention to and should be knowing about. And I mean, just, I just felt really disconnected uh, being so uh, far away and, and just not, not well informed about what was happening. And I think I've said it two or three times already, just uh, this was what everybody was talking about, literally all over the world. This was what everyone was talking about. Hawaii is very uh, international. They have folks coming in from everywhere. And so people from Ireland, people from Iraq, people from Brazil, Australia, uh, England, France, Germany, South Africa, everywhere, Jamaica. Um, but this is what everybody's talking about, what is happening in, in New Orleans and the storm and oh my God, and all these people are suffering and blah, blah, blah. And the gas, have you seen what that obviously was a big part of it too. Um, but people were saying, a lot of white people from all of these different places around the globe 
of course it gets to, but they're raping babies, and oh my gosh, and why are they, and the looting, why are they doing all that, I can't believe it, I mean, just because it's a storm, does that mean you have to be a hoodlum, and, and I could not adequately, I certain at this time, I was a lot more confused about racism, uh, I had not read uh, Mr. Fuller's work, I hadn't heard any of his uh, lectures or, or anything, and I uh, just was a lot more confused about racism, white supremacy, and I just wasn't informed. I hadn't, you know, been keeping up. I really hadn't been reading a lot of newspapers. I certainly hadn't been in front of the television. I just wasn't well informed uh, about any of that to even know that, oh, that's just total nonsense. These are just rumors uh, that are being thrown around, and this is and this is standard operating procedure to just lie and make up and say, oh, black people are raping, oh, they're running mad and raping anything that moves. I mean, they do this all the time this is what they are known for doing in this area the world probably you too i just i just wasn't informed so i I can definitely say that that is that is definitely one event uh where i just wanted to make sure that in the future i did a much better job of being uh informed uh about things that are happening again it's not saying uh you know read the news or listen to the news or listen uh watch the news uh and accept everything that they present as truth certainly watch with scrutiny ask questions uh, if things don't make sense and do further investigation I think uh, Dr. Rasayan he talked about that before triangulate go to a lot of different sources that way you'll be uh, very well informed uh, about important matters at any rate uh, but that's what you know that is definitely an event that kind of prompted me moving forward to make sure that I was a lot more informed uh, about things that were happening. Uh, that's one of the first things that I did uh, once uh, I got back uh, to the continental U.S. and had uh, better, more regular access to uh, being online and newspapers and watching television was to uh, get caught up. And it, it was it was stunning because I think that was the first time. It was months, months, way, way, way uh, after everything had happened was the first time that I actually saw uh, on television footage so I could see images that were clear and video and it was just uh i was i was dumbfounded uh that you know this could have happened and and just the enormity the scale of the devastation just was uh overwhelming and uh, i would say that is that is the perspective that i have now uh, as someone who obviously i'm thousands of miles away from new orleans but uh, just doing research, we've done programs on it, reading books about it, watching films on it, reading articles about it. Uh, I've been going through, uh, I said before, Times Picayune, you can go to their site, uh, nola.com, N-O-L-A.com. You can go to their site. They have uh, a whole section that's set up uh, that has coverage. You can go back and read uh, their live coverage uh, from the events of Hurricane Katrina August 2005 through I think November of 2005 and then they have uh, a lot of other stuff obviously a lot of anniversaries and things that are going on uh, this month around the 10 year anniversary things that are happening in New Orleans and presentations and all that stuff but that's a good resource that you can check on Um, but yeah that uh, just moving forward for me uh, doing research and trying to learn more it was just as overwhelming uh, seeing uh, how racism, white supremacy has continued to be manifest uh, in Louisiana, the New Orleans area, those charter schools, as I mentioned before. Uh, hey, 
the schools were messed up anyway. Great opportunity for us to start from scratch with charter schools. Like uh, they have really done a job, uh, in my opinion. Uh, which and and all of this was planned. That was one of the things I, I was kind of going back and, and looking at some of the emails that I was uh, sending at that time, and some of the emails that I was getting because all of my uh, friends and family they were in the states, and obviously they were paying attention to this and. Uh, watching it on television every day and, and, you know, folks that I was emailing and what have you, obviously they were talking about this and I was going back and even some of the emails that they sent me at that time. Uh, one of my friends, she sent me an article that was in the wall street journal and it basically had white people who they were laying out. And this was like the first week of September, 2005, they were just laying it down. Like, you know, Hey, these are poor black people. They don't have any money. These folks are going to be focused on surviving. Like, you know, whatever. They get dropped off in wherever they get dropped off at. Texas, Houston, wherever they are. Uh, they get dropped off. They Hey, they got to get a job. They got to get a place to stay. I mean, they're not coming back. There's no place for them even to come back to. There's no place to build. I mean, you know, let's be realistic about it. They're not coming back. And we're not building back the uh, shacks and nonsense that it was before. We're going to do this the new New Orleans like they were just laying it down and this is in the Wall Street Journal where they were just laying it down like this is what it's going to be these are the plans and these Negroes are not a part of our plans <laughs> and as I said they had to know that this was going to happen it is just a matter of time when we'll be able to do all the things that we want with this city without the Negroes it's just a matter of time I am sure that that's the way it was uh, for the white people, the most powerful white people uh, in New Orleans and uh, the Louisiana area in general. Uh, I, as I said, I want to uh, encourage folks for the duration of the month and even into September because a lot of, of, of the storm hit uh, actually August 29th, uh, 2005. Uh, but obviously uh, the flooding and all of that unfolded over the next, you know, days, weeks, what have you, months really. Um, so the next 30 days or so, uh, folks, as I said, if you Louisiana resident, New Orleans resident, uh, if you survived, if you were a victim uh, of the levee breach, the storms and all that stuff. Uh, and folks, if you uh, listeners uh, in Alabama and some of the other areas, because they had a lot of damage uh, in Mississippi as well. Uh, they even had, I believe, a few deaths uh, in Florida uh, when it touched there. Uh, but if, folks, if you want to uh, chime in over the next 30 days, definitely want to uh encourage that um if you if this impacted your family or any way or, or just your own uh thoughts reflections on all of this volunteers i know a lot of folks went down and, and volunteered to help clean up if we had anybody who participated that uh in that just any other folks i want to encourage over the next 30 days or so uh chime in with your own thoughts your own observations uh, i think this is just such a uh important event uh, to recognize that this happened, uh, just so many lost lives. I mean, there were, I, th I think well over, uh, 1300 deaths just immediately, uh, at the time of the storm. And that's not even counting, uh, the myriad of deaths that happened afterwards as a result of stress. They said suicides, uh, when up, people had all sorts of medical complications. They had been basically, uh, drowned in a sewer. Uh, because of everything that I mean, just just the horrors all the way around uh, the, the even a lot of the trailers uh, that they got the FEMA trailers 
uh, with the delays and everything else that they got, even those were contaminated. I think they had uh, formaldehyde in a lot of the trailers, and they were saying that a lot of the children uh, were suffering and having respiratory problems, and a lot of the uh, older uh, elder citizens uh, that were in these trailers, that it was just uh, horrible. I think they even had a lawsuit uh, for that. But as I said, over the next 30 days, if folks uh, have thoughts, reflections, things that they would like to share, I definitely want to uh, encourage that. Uh, either on the compensatory call-in on Saturday, we can make time for it there uh, during the course of the next 30 days or so. I know we uh, we have guests on the program. Normally we have some time after the guest exit if you want to do so there. Uh, if we have enough people, uh, we can even have a whole program and just you know de- uh, devote time for people being able to uh, reflect on this because I think it's such a, such an important event uh, and, and such a, a just uh, inhumane uh, illustration of uh, white supremacy. Uh, in terms of, of things, and encourage folks even now, if folks that are listening in, uh, if anybody, if we certainly if we have any. Uh, listeners that are in the Louisiana area, uh, if you survived uh, Hurricane Katrina victim, uh, if you uh, have things that you would like to share, if you're listening in now, certainly, uh, or even folks, if you if you watched, if you have family members, if you just have reflections on what you were seeing at the time, that's certainly welcome as well. Uh, the number is seven six zero five six nine seven six seven six. The code. Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. If you have uh, your own thoughts, reflections uh, on Hurricane Katrina. Uh, in terms of, because I know one of the things that I had specifically uh, with the description in terms of uh, how all of this impacted. Uh, my understanding of racism has continued to under, uh, impact my my understanding of racism. Uh, this event, uh, this is not ancient history. This isn't something that, um, you know, shouldn't be. This is something that should be fresh uh, in the minds, particularly of black people, particularly if you were in front of a television. I mean, it's, it feels very fresh, <coughs> very recent for me. And I was not in front of a television. I don't have all those uh, visceral HD images uh, in my brain computer from, you know, watching CNN and seeing Soledad O'Brien and what was happening at the Superdome. And I don't have all of that. Uh, But if you are a black person and you are a little bit less confused about racism and you watched all of that, this should be recent. You know, this should be one that that is right there. As an example, if you need one for racism, white supremacy in a lot of different, a lot of what racism, white supremacy means. Uh, And one of the things that I think from now on, I'll be using referencing Hurricane Katrina when people get begin to exaggerate the amount of power that black people have and uh, start talking as though we are waging war against white people or acting like, you know, we can overpower them. Wait a minute. We just had a whole city of black people drown. If all of the people that are really, really rowdy and talking about they want to take it to white people and white people are chumps and they got all it. Hey, man, (laughs) you should have been front and center in Louisiana in 2005. And I did not see that. I did not see 
uh, almighty. I, I really I did not see much of anything in terms of people stepping to the forefront and saying, hey, black people are in harm's way. I got this. I did not see a lot of that. I think Venezuela, a few other spots uh, stepped up to offer assistance and even the importance of that. Unless I've been misinformed, I think white people. Ultimately, I think they might say U.S. officials or whatever, but ultimately white people, they were in position to decide whether or not they would allow that help to be received. That right there is is amazing that you can be drowning and they can they can decide no you cannot help those niggas that are drowning. <laughs> like that right there that right there just I mean wow. Anyway, um but I mean that's you know one of the things in my view that it should be before we get, you know, out of control before we start exaggerating how much power we have, let us remember this was not that long ago. If black people, any amount of power that we have, it should have been used at that moment. And it didn't look like we had a whole lot. I'm not saying that we you know, are powerless. I'm just saying in comparison to white people, we don't have a whole lot of power. There is a huge power differential. White people have the power. White people have the ability to come in and fix all of that. And they did not. They did not. I think one of the films that uh, was recommended that I watch uh, this week, it's called The Well, talking about water. Uh, but basically it was a black female. She fell She fell in uh, a well and it sparked all of this conflict and rumor and strife and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, predictably, uh, when it all came down to the come down, White people were about to burn down the black town and kill all the black people and run them out. Rosewood, uh, Tuskegee, or excuse me, Rosewood, uh, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Same thing that has played out many, many times over and over and over. Um, they find out uh, just before the white people are about to go and kill all the black people, they find out that this black child fell in the well and she was not, you know, taken, abducted uh, by a white person. So everything comes to a halt and all the white people, even the white people that like literally had like the lynch rope in one hand and a gun in the other hand and I'm leading the charge. Let's go kill the. Oh, she fell in. Oh, we got to get her out. Oh, OK. And so like they they put down like their guns and everything and they go get their cranes and shovels and all their machinery and boom, boom, boom. They go knocking and get her like immediately. And I cracked up black because I thought that was such a great illustration. Mr. Fuller says that all the time. White people, they have the ability to produce justice right now. They could do that. White people, they have the resources. They could have gone and taken care of Katrina. They went, bam, got it. Anybody need boom, 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 buses, boom, boom, boom. We planned this, boom, 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 knew this was going to happen, boom, boom. They could have done that. That's not what they did beautifully played out in this movie the way this is like an old black and white film but it's the same principle they have the ability they do not have the will to do justice particularly with regards to black people and i think that is a devastating uh reminder the 10-year anniversary uh of hurricane katrina and i think that's something that we should all keep in mind because i don't see any evidence that the same thing couldn't happen again today and not just in Louisiana anywhere in the world uh, anywhere in the world anywhere in the United States or anywhere else uh, under the system of racism white supremacy which is worldwide so 
Uh, I would hope, you know, people kind of keep that in mind and maybe, you know, come up with your own plans uh, in terms of, you know, family, how you want to deal if there happens to be, unfortunately, some disaster or something in uh, in your area that you have to deal with. Uh, you know, just kind of already have that in mind that, you know, white people uh, are not going to help you. And, and if things are really bad, white people might use this as an opportunity to, as they say, purge and just say, we're going to go kill us some niggers. That's something that you might want to keep in mind, because that's also what happened during Hurricane Katrina. As I said before, that does not give very much coverage. And with, we did the program. You can go back. I might even rebroadcast it. Uh, Mr. A.C. Thompson, you can uh, get it in the archives. It's May 2009. Uh, I might pull it back up and give some of the uh, the updates on some of the different cases that we talked about. But, uh, yeah, that you know might be something that you want to consider just... Uh, particularly if you have children, just kind of discussing what you want to do, what the plans are, uh, if you want to have things already prepared, clothing, documents, important papers or valuables, water, food, whatever you you know think is necessary, firearms, whatever you think is necessary. But it might be a good thing just to kind of go over that, uh, escape plans, where you're going to go, where you want to rendezvous at, if people happen to be in different uh, locations, just might be good to go over those. Uh, procedures you definitely don't want to be uh, stuck uh, unprepared uh, in the system of white terrorism because things can go bad really really quick and uh, it's always bad when you have to be in a position to uh, depend on and look for help from white people under dire circumstances because it just it might not be there it might not be there or it might not be there in a timely manner Anyway, uh, if folks have anything they want to share, I was not, this is not one I was intending to be here for, you know, three, six hours, anything like that. Uh, but I did just want to give uh, some of my reflections in terms of uh, just personally uh, my own experience, connection to New Orleans, as I said, just uh, being there before uh, Katrina hit and uh, even afterwards and, and thoughts and studying. I uh, just would really encourage folks uh, over the next 30 days to uh, not forget. And if you have things that you would like to share, dial in, dial in, dial in. Uh, we hope, uh, look forward to hearing uh, what people have to say and, and how this impacted folks over the next 30 days or so. Uh, if anybody had anything uh, to share, uh, you should get your hand up in the next 60 seconds or so. Uh, if not, uh, we will prepare to wrap things up and uh, speak with folks down the line if you have anything uh, to share on uh, the levee breach Katrina reflections on all this Let's see uh, I think this might be Tapello. did you have uh, reflections Hurricane Katrina greetings it might be a little loud but I'm uh, on the plantation outside uh, but I uh, wanted to, I remember um, being very angry during that time because I was wondering where the help was at uh, from the military aspect because I, I know what me being, you know, ex-military veteran and uh, also participated in rescue missions and stuff in the Philippines, you know, we're, we're, all, we're, we're all in the doggone area helping out. Uh, but over here, we act like we didn't know what we were doing. And it was just so frustrating uh, just watching just one or two lone uh, helicopters that they call uh, Seahawks, we call them, uh, 
for the Coast Guard picking up two or three people at a time. And I'm like, we got hospital ships. And they're sitting there doing nothing. That's why. That's all I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Right there, bro. I mean, I was just so, I was so pissed off at white people. And then I remember arguing with people on the job about the racist behavior, and they were, uh, you know, they got mad because they they go swear up and down. It wasn't racist. It wasn't racist. That was right before George Bush came on TV and said it was racism. And you should have just seen this. It was, it was like epic. You should have seen the, the face on these white folks when I come in the room and they just try to square up and down that it wasn't racism. It ain't got nothing to do with it. When you got George Bush saying it, right? You know, now it, it, it was just like they let the cat out of the bag and uh, I got caught with the cookie jar, you know. <laughs> it was like, you know, it had nothing else to say. George Bush, George Bush already said it at one point George Bush came out and said that racism had something to do with the response to uh, Katrina yeah when he made his uh, speech uh, he said that the behavior was racist racism was involved he said it, it was he, he alluded it was racism I know he, I heard the word racism I could have swore I heard the word racism and I remember the commentators talking about it the next morning because uh, if we notice, uh, it was like right after um, the uh, mayor went off on a tangent. I mean, he was he went off, and that's when he said that if the CIA killed me, you know, blah blah blah. So be it, fine, you know. But he was going off. That mayor uh, is in the jail now. He's going on white. <laughs> he is yeah, in jail yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is like man, you can't win for losing, right? You know. But he did. He embarrassed them on, on uh, national television. He embarrassed George Bush. He embarrassed the, the state governor because they he, they they knew they were dragging their feet. And George Bush, I think, was just he was trying to put it off on the state because you know technically he does need the state permission to come in. That's what they say uh, because the state has to issue martial law. Uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of funny that they don't seem to need really need that when when they got Negroes uh, going crazy, what they want to call it, getting out of hand. You know, they don't. I don't think they need that. They built these bases around us. So, but I just remember being uh, really frustrated during that time period. I mean, seven, eight days went. You know, day one, day two. Okay, you know, you got to get in position. But really, I don't think it takes that long. Uh, we have a base down there, base in the area. Um, I didn't think it would take that long for us to get our stuff together at all. But uh, they were uh, dragging their feet, and I felt so sorry for those children and uh, black mothers down there. But yeah, that was a hard time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, and I use and I use that and I use that example every single time uh, when I'm uh, confronting these 
these racists when they talk crazy outside of the day. I use that that same example. I said, I want okay, if, if if black people got it like that, then I want you to tell me how uh, black people, you know, practice racism on the same scale as, as the Katrina. And they just shut up. There's no more argument after that. It's like, checkmate. Go on to the next. But I, I'll be I'll my life to somebody else to get out in. Oh, I hit my uh, mute button. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I was just, I was saying that, <clears throat> sorry. I was saying that uh, even uh, Brad Pitt and many other white people uh, acknowledged uh, the blatant racism of white people having the resources. And, and again, this was not a, oh, we were overwhelmed or we didn't think this could happen. They knew, <laughs> like they totally knew everything about this, that the levees, yep, they're probably going to be breached. Yep, probably going to be under what? Yep, like everybody, they had told them. I mean, everybody knew this was not a surprise. This was not a, oh, we didn't think it was going to be this bad. They totally knew. And uh, as I said, Brad Pitt and many other white people said publicly that if the population of New Orleans looked like the population of Utah or Sweden, there is no way that they would have had all of the resources that uh, Tapello had just mentioned. It's no way they would have had all those resources just sitting on the side, twiddling their thumbs, saying, well, wait a minute, do we have permission to go in? Or, you know, do we need, or, or did you sign? There's no way. It would have just been, let's get cracking, medical attention, water, food, resources, boom, boom, boom. Let's get cracking. Only when it's a large number of black people, then, you know, eh, we'll get there when we get there. And they're looting anyway. Look at them. They're raping. <laughs> I mean, just a disgrace all the way through. Um, <clears throat> I forgot to mention that um, that uh, Cuba was obviously getting tired of watching them drag their feet, and they offered to come in and help, too. I mean, and, they, and that's when uh, George Bush and them made the threat, you know, you come in these waters, you know, uh, you know, we're gonna shoot you or whatever. They, they made a threat toward them. And I'm like, how you gonna threaten somebody that's offering their help? That don't make sense. And they were offering to send the doctors and nurses and all kind of support. That, I mean, it was like right off the bat. I think it was like day two or something like that. They were already offering, you know, to come on in. It was day two or three or something like that. And, and by day four, you're sitting there saying to yourself, that you just told Cuba that they couldn't come in and help. What the hell are you doing? I mean, I just remember just shouting at television. I was like, oh. I think that was a lot of black people. I think that was how a lot of black people felt. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, you just are allowing these black people to suffer. And it was a lot of it was a lot of white people that were hurting, too. It was a lot of white people uh, in uh, Mississippi, uh, where there was a lot of uh, destruction there as well. And uh, in other parts of Louisiana, even in uh, New Orleans, it was white people that lived there, too. But. Uh, I think definitely this event uh, was coded as, oh, man, this is this is. And I've said before in the system of white supremacy, white people, they have no problem sacrificing other white people as long as it's going to do maximum damage to black people. And I think with this event, it was just, hey, it's a whole lot of black people. 
if we don't, you know, go about doing any helping, we don't do it correctly, whatever, it's going to be a whole lot of black people that will be harmed way more than the white people. And they just had, I think I played that report with NPR where they said uh, that a lot of people, that's what they've concluded, duh, that the uh, recovery, as they're calling it in New Orleans, has not been uh, proportionate, that black people have not uh, gotten all the gains and the same benefits and they showed uh, some structures. Uh, these are houses that black people owned uh, and it looks exactly the way it did 10 years ago after the storm uh, where the floods and everything came and swept the house away and all you see is the foundation and that's all you see today. Nothing. Uh, and they said, I mean, as uh, this was predicted, it's <laughs> articles, articles in the Wall Street Journal. This was white people had their plan that this was exactly what they wanted to do. This was their deliberate course of action that they had been looking forward to for some years I suspect I don't know how it could be anything but that uh, with this area anywho uh, if other folks if you uh, have a comment or what have you want to get in your own reflections uh, on Hurricane Katrina uh, feel free you should get your hand up in the next uh, 60 seconds or so uh, if uh, I don't see anything I'll assume everybody is uh, content I know this was not uh, planned spontaneous but I wanted to uh, make sure I got my thoughts in and, and as I said we'll we'll give folks an opportunity over the next 30 days or so to uh, get their own uh, thoughts certainly if you are a Louisiana resident or if you're a victim uh, if you survived uh, the storm have direct uh, personal experience from all of this uh, definitely chime in and I would encourage folks to to research in fact if you if you can find a book that you think is worthy of the book study group let us know and we'll do it. We'll make that the next book. Uh, if you can can find one, I know Michael Eric Dyson uh, has a great book uh, on this, Come Hell or High Warner, that's about Katrina. I think there are several others uh, that I'm aware of, and I think there are even some new ones that are supposed to be coming out with the 10-year anniversary. Uh, but if you think that there's a book that's really good about this that we should read, let us know. We'll do it next. Uh, if you just think you know there's some books that we should check out or um, articles, uh, documentaries, anything, anything associated with uh, what has happened um, since Katrina over the last 10 years uh, with Hurricane Katrina, the storm, the residents, anything, uh, let us know. Uh, I definitely would like to see it. I'm, I'm uh, doing research on that. That's what I've been doing the last few days is, is just doing research on that. So uh, I would enjoy checking it out. You can post it on my Facebook page. You can tweet it to me. You can email it to me uh, and certainly chime in. I uh, want to encourage folks over the next uh, 30 days Call in, participate. We really, really, really would appreciate uh, hearing directly from you, uh, Louisiana residents, uh, folks that are, are residents close to the Gulf, and people who have direct experiences uh, with all of this. Uh, definitely uh, chime in over the next 30 days. I uh, want to take time to recognize just uh, an extraordinary catastrophe that did not have to be. If, if nothing else, I would say that is an ex example right there. Uh, where, in my view, white people are not going to stop practicing racism. Racism is not something that white people have to do. They do this because they enjoy this. I'm of the opinion, I think, Hurricane Katrina, in fact, people should ask, is Hurricane Katrina, maybe we'll ask that question of white people that come over the program over the next 30 days or so, is Hurricane Katrina, is that evidence? of the sadism of white people where they enjoy seeing black people 
suffer because I think that's what you've got going on right now with all this dash cam footage and Jonathan Farrell and Sandra Bland and all of these images Tamir Rice black people being gunned down and handcuffed after their gun town and bleeding and suffering all of this is entertainment these are 21st century lynching photographs for white people they enjoy this what we are I won't say celebrating but what we are recognizing commemorating is the 10 year anniversary of white people being content to allow thousands of black people to suffer and die after the breach of the levees Hurricane Katrina in my view that's what we are recognizing and then the onslaught of everything that they've done in the 10 years afterwards which which even includes uh, one of the things and you can see this if you watch uh, Spike Lee's documentary uh, when the levees broke one of the things is uh, I think it got some attention there was an incident where citizens some of these were tourists these weren't even uh, New Orleans uh, residents or citizens these were uh, folks who were just tourists uh, visiting uh, the area, visiting Louisiana, they tried to walk to safety uh, by crossing the Crescent City Bridge into Jefferson Parish, uh, which is right outside, uh, I guess, the, the downtown or, or the central New Orleans area. These uh, race soldiers pulled out officers armed with shotguns and put them out on the bridge and would not allow uh, U.S. citizens to walk into Jefferson Parish to safety. The horror is not just that this happened, right, and this was reported. There were newspaper reports about this. As I said, this is in uh, the documentary When the Levees Broke. The horror is when you follow, there was a lawsuit filed about this, and this was upheld as constitutional. They said this was vindication, that the officers did the correct thing. There was no res- there were no resources. Uh, there was no uh, water. Tra- there was no transportation for any of the evacuees uh, that would aid them uh, in Jefferson Parish. Uh, that there was nothing that they could do for them. That they were not going to a safe spot. That really, uh, we were helping you out by uh, standing here with guns and not allowing you to enter we were helping you out because there were no resources for you so they listed this as a full vindication uh, of the white sheriff uh, of this parish uh, of what he did and I think he said that he would do the same thing again today if he had it to do over he would do the same thing again it was the correct thing to do and they upheld that this was not a constitutional violation uh, that they did not do anything incorrect that's why I said the horror just continues if you follow and and see all of the things that have happened uh, since then I'm not saying that every single thing has been bad but I think on the whole particularly if you're a black person this has been pretty much a horrendous experience and a decade of just racism white supremacy at every turn uh, at every turn all areas of people activity bang bang, bang. hopefully we will touch them all uh, over the next uh, 30 days or so and and I just I think this is such an important event uh, I mean a just a catastrophic event uh, in the history of, of this area of the world and for black people and uh, I just think it's really important and hopefully this program at least on a personal level why uh, this particular epi- episode had uh, resonance for me <clears throat> some of the thoughts that I had around it before uh, Hurricane Katrina afterwards and and, and how that has uh, impacted my uh, understanding of racism. Uh, I will assume everybody is good. 
We should be back. We will uh, be doing the book club this Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Ben Tillman and the Reconstruction of White Supremacy. We'll be looking forward to hearing from folks then. Uh, the compensatory call-in this Saturday, and we should have Dr. Rasayan on the program later in the week. Uh, you can listen to us. We are on iTunes. You can get the podcast. You can subscribe for free and download the episodes right there. We are on Stitcher dot com stitcher dot com you can just do a search uh, for racism uh, or the cows and the show should pop up uh, you can access it there uh, we are on tune in tune in uh, the online radio service uh, you can listen to it in your car you can listen to us uh, via tune in in your vehicle <clears throat> uh, we also you can access the program uh, at Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, you'll see our page there. Uh, you can stream uh, the program. You can listen to it live there. If you get confused or have any difficulties, if there are programs in the archives that you're having problems locating, drop me an email, untiljustice at gmail.com, untiljustice at gmail.com. Also, we're on Twitter at untiljustice. On Twitter, at Until Justice. Again, if you have any problems, confusion, questions, gripes, uh, untiljustice at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with me. If you have suggestions for other programs or ideas, that's uh, cool in the gang, too. You can shoot those there. We are fundraising for the summer of 2015. Invest if you think the program is constructive. Racism-notes.blogspot.com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio uh, paypal button is in the top right corner if you're not into paypal drop me an email and we will get you a physical mailing address i uh, hope everyone has a constructive safe tuesday uh, enjoy the summer. Just make sure you remain codified. Sobriety would be best under conditions of racism. You definitely don't want to be around any white people who are under the influence. That is a horrendous combination anytime, any place, anywhere on the planet. Buckle your seatbelt. That is a very easy counter-racist step that you can take. Uh, do everything that we can to minimize likelihood of contact. Uh, with race soldiers just buckle your seatbelt very easy when and hopefully you can minimize some tickets as well to keep a few nickels in your pocket buckle your seatbelt creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Context of white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. You're a victim. Hey, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Hey.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.